0: What's so up, everybody, welcome back to the seven figure flipping podcast. This is Bill Allen. The market has been interesting lately. It's uh, everything's going over asking price. We had a post in the seven figure altitude group saying, uh, somebody's house sold for like 30, $40,000 over asking or over the list price and, uh, everybody's seeing it. So they're wondering what's happened with the market. I was wondering too. So I scheduled a call with my buddy, Terry Berger. He's been doing some YouTube videos on his channel lately. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out. But we, um, uh, we were just talking, me and him, and I asked him if I could record it. And then afterwards I said, hey, can I can I use this um, to put on the podcast? So uh, I thought it'd be cool to just throw this conversation up with me and him. There's a little bit of uh, just kind of back and forth in the beginning and joking around and stuff like that of just me and him talking. But uh, I think it'll be uh, interesting for some of you to be a fly on the wall, to understand, uh, get in the mind of a house flipper and, and wholesaler and see kind of um, what what they think is going on with the market. So Terry has been in real estate for a long time. If you guys came to Flip Hacking Live last year, you know who he is. He talked about hiring last year. Um, he's spoken at multiple uh, events of ours. And uh, he's at the end, I got got him tagged for talking about the market in October at Flip Hacking Live. So if you don't have your ticket, make sure you go get your ticket right now. Uh, you go to flippackinglive.com and grab it. So uh, here's just a conversation with me and my buddy, Terry Berger. And we're talking about the market, um, what we think is gonna happen, what he thinks gonna happen, some data. Uh, if you can see this on YouTube, go check it out on our YouTube channel because he shares a screen, he shares some charts and things like that. But if you're just listening to your car, uh, you should be able to get uh, very similar uh, things out of it. So, all right, I'll uh, leave it to a uh, uh, fly on the wall. You guys will be a fly on the wall with the conversation of me and my buddy Terry. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Anyway, man, I set up this call because I wanted to find out what you thought about the market. I watched some of your YouTube videos and stuff. and. I just want to talk to you because, um, I know a lot of people inside the group are asking about the market. I just saw a post today about somebody selling like a hundred thousand dollars over their expected ARVs and stuff. So I know you've been digging into the numbers. So I just want, I want information. So what have you got for me?
1: Well, uh, I don't know, man, you know, everybody says the market is great, right? It's, it feels a little super heated and inflated. Um, you know and my research again i I look at a lot of places i look at redfin i look at black knight i look at a a lot of the data that a lot of other people look at but i just try to figure it out and then i also i'm big on the human feelings i like what does it feel like out there and so it's just really chaotic um i know in atlanta a lot of the houses have a dozen offers you know list price is just a suggested suggested asking price they're all going over ask in um, Greenville, our other market, uh, same kind of deal, is they just, everything's going above asking price. So it makes it really hard um, when, you know, we, I tend to be a fairly conservative investor. Uh, so when we're making ARVs, it's like, do you look at comps that are selling in you the know, last couple of months and think it's gonna continue to be that way? Or do you try to be a more conservative approach and maybe look at last year?
0: Well, are you guys, are are you guys like uh, building in and making offers the same way that you did before, or are you looking at like stuff that sold in the last month or two to, because let me, let me read you the post that kind of spawned this um, conversation Mm -hmm. that just happened. So it was like an hour ago inside of our altitude group. And, and uh, I'm not going to mention who it was just in case they don't want to, but uh, somebody said they, they bought a mold infested home with a veiled septic system about half block from the lake. Purchase price was thirty thousand. Put hundred thousand dollars into the rehab category. Into the rehab, everything's new. Target sales price was two ten, maybe two twenty if we did a really nice rehab. And he he started this by the way with this. This falls in the holy you know what category. Um, so I, I was reading this thinking it's going to be this like horrible post of like we found all these problems and so bought it for thirty, put a hundred into it. They thought the ARV was going to be two ten to two twenty, which is pretty awesome. Like hundred thirty into it. 210, 10 That's a good deal. Ended up listing it for 265 because a slightly larger home sold for 310, four blocks away. Uh, this morning we accepted an officer offer for 285. It was one of four offers between 280 and 285. I'm obviously happy with the return, but I'm also a little bit concerned to be honest, this market is so overheated. It feels like we're bouncing on the bubble like a trampoline waiting for it to pop. So how's everybody <laughs> handling the current climate? Are you taking any precautions changing any metrics? What are you doing? So I guess I'll at, like ask you the same question. So a lot of people posted down here with answers like uh, of very specific numbers of things going 30 dollars 50,000 over mm-hmm. even asking price which was even higher than they were planning on listing. So it's really good for flippers that have inventory right now right that are coming on the market right now. Um and really low inventory out there and really high demand. I mean people are buying houses, wanting to move, things like that. And it's definitely opening up more in Tennessee of people like showings neighborhood people are out walking all this stuff the weather's getting really nice so what do you guys what, i mean how, how do you answer that what are you guys doing for um like your, how you're handling the current climate taking any precautions and changing metrics
1: well we are not going to use uh comps from the past six months as comps to run our number our arv numbers we're going to use Comps from 2019, 2018, kind of a blended area. Because I, I honestly feel like the last time the market tanked, right, it happened immediately. Like it was the stock market crashed, everything crashed at the same time. I don't. I think if there's another housing crash or crisis, even just call it a crisis, uh, it's going to look a little bit different, and I think it's going to feel a little bit different. My gut instinct tells me that rates going to maybe four and a half or five percent um, could cause a, a inventory to stack on top of itself a little bit more um, so we're, we're just really approaching it very conservatively we're going back to 2019 2018 comps and we're looking to see if there's an opportunity there if we have a really great current condition comp that we can use as a wholetail to me wholetailing is the flippers dream right now honestly like we we this is a true story went to this up and coming area in Greenville and we bought a house for 50K, we demoed it. I walked through it with our project manager and I'm looking at it going, we we bought this wrong. Literally bought it wrong, paid 50K for it. Looked like we're gonna have to put about 60 in it and the house is only gonna be about worth about 140, 150 maybe based on the comps that we had at the time. And so I said, let's forget it. Let's just, it's all cleaned out. Let's put it on the MLS and let's see what we can do. Put it on the MLS. We got that thing under contract as is for 110,000. So the person that's buying it is an all cash buyer. They're buying two ha- houses to hold. It's in this area of Greenville, it's up and coming. So they're basically, you know, paying a little bit more now to get something they think is gonna appreciate really high in the future. And they're probably right, that area is gonna get hot. Um, but we, would, we made more money selling that house than we would have had we flipped it It's insane. Yeah. how do you explain some of those things like that that post right there um you know how many more houses are there available at 10 15 20 30 percent over asking price and I think that's where we have to watch these interest rates bill is you know for every one percent the interest rates go up right it in in affordability by 11 percent. so one percent so at 3%, you can buy a $400,000 house, but at 4%, you can only buy a, basically a $355,000 house. For, with the same payment, you mean? Same payment, correct. Yeah. But that's all you can afford, right? Like if your income only allows you to buy that 400K and you have to, you know, rates go up to four, now all of a sudden that loan officer says, you can only buy up to 355, unless you can bring more money to the table or whatever else, right? And then that, then all of a sudden, you know enough of that starts to stack on each other it starts to take out higher price points and i really think that's kind of where we need to watch it is what's happening in the higher price points um and how is that starting to trickle down because i mean the stuff that we do is all, mostly first time second time home buyer we don't play around in the upper price points very much but i say so, what's interesting so man those,
0: those buyers before you move on those buyers are uh, so they're getting approved because the interest rates are so low, they're getting approved for more money. And yeah. when the interest rates go up, those same buy, that buyer pool changes. So those people aren't able to pay as much for a house. So they, they, that, that demand starts dropping as those interest rates go up. But like, what, what, about, I feel like- what, about, the, what about the inventory? Like this fact that we still, it's still very low inventory. Do you think that more people are going to be putting their houses on the market in May, June and summer months? Like they always do. Like we missed a summer selling season in 2020. Do you feel like it's going to be significantly higher this year?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I I think we're making up for lost time that we lost in March, April, and May. And that's why you're seeing these record months. I mean, literally um, record sales that eclipse any peak, right? I, I don't know. I've got this chart on uh, Redfin that I like to use. It's the new, new listings, and they've got a really lot of cool charts. But there's always this real estate heartbeat. You know, uh, I think I even have it on my. Can icon, you share But it? there's this, yeah. There's this real estate heartbeat, right? And it looks like this. You, you see it? You know, it yep. kind of goes up and down like that. It's a natural mm-hmm. rhythm. And there's always like, you want me to share my screen?
0: Yeah, yeah, share it. Uh,
1: there's always one. There's always one peak in the market every every year. It's usually June. Like so. These. Are, let me just go over to pending sales real fast. So where is this red, it's on Redfin. This is on Redfin. Yeah, it's redfin.com forward slash news forward slash data dash center. Do you have thirty two hundred
0: um, unread emails, Terry?
1: Oh my gosh. Are you seeing that? I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's hilarious. I I'm terrible about my inbox, but anyway, if you guys look like you can see here. There's always a peak of pending sales, right? And usually, that peak is usually sometime in May or June. Um, So that's typically the big. I call it the real estate heartbeat. You know, you can kind of see it going back from 2012. It's just building, right? The heartbeat's getting bigger um, because there's been more demand for housing. But what's crazy is if you look at the pending sales each
0: each month of the year, or like couple months each quarter.
1: Each month of the year going back to 2012. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's the number of houses sold. Okay. They're, they're pending. They go pending, okay. right? So those okay. are houses that, yeah, they haven't sold yet, but they go under contract. They're okay. going to sell, right? But if you look at the pending sales, like just take, you know, you look at your peaks here in 17, 18, and 19, there's always a, there's always a winner. And then there's a second place, third place. Well, I mean, what's amazing is you've got four, five months in a row Of sales going back to from July to October of 2020 that eclipse every peak in the last eight years, nine years. And then, if you want to just get a little more granular, granular, and you say, okay, what about February? You know, February it's 451,000 homes sold last month. Well, last year before the pandemic, in February, only 380,000 houses sold. So we're still seeing these huge inflated numbers where i think we have to watch i mean this is just me and you talking here i mean i know we're recording but this this is the one to me the one that's really really interesting and i can't really get my hand uh, uh, my mind around it yet see if this will populate sometimes this site takes a little while but is the number of new listings that's coming on the market
0: yeah. So when you, when you're looking at those pending sales, like how do we, okay, you got the new listings up now. Like, well, this is, this will be interesting. This is where my question goes, because you've got uh pending listings, but they're going up, but you don't have new listings backing it up. So, um, so. right. Interesting to see. So what,
1: Yeah. So what I noticed and um, doing some research was that in November of 2020, we had almost 500,000 houses go on the market right but if you go back and typically november december we would all agree that's the bottom of the heartbeat every year right you got thanksgiving christmas new year's eve um uh, all, all the holidays right so but for, 491 000 houses went on the market in november brand new listings but the year before that only four hundred forty-one thousand. so that's a net increase of about 50 50 000 houses going on the market in november and then check out December, December, typically, when nobody would list their houses for sale, and it's still in the middle of a pandemic, we had 390,000 new listings go up for sale. But before pandemic, 323,000, right? That's 2019. Go back to 2018, you got 319 again. So you have this like big increase of about 70,000 houses coming on the market that didn't, there would have been higher amount of new listings piling onto the market. Now where my data breaks down and my analysis breaks down is January. Like January doesn't is a lot less houses coming on the market than January say where are we 2019 534 versus 486. So, you know, that, that's that's where my my data starts to break down. I but I noticed these two months where we had a lot of this and here's what I think, Bill. I honestly think that we're going to be looking at inventory starting to stack because people want a piece of this action Mm -hmm. like think about it like just common sense take all the data out of it if you needed to sell 18 months ago and then all of a sudden we're in the middle of a pandemic and you can't sell there's a lot of people that need to sell right now right that haven't they haven't put their houses on the market well when are they going to do it and my opinion you know, as soon as somebody starts saying we're back to normal, or or we're starting to say that hey, you know we're feeling back to normal, then nobody in the White House even has to say back to normal. As long as we start feeling back to normal, we're going to see a bunch of inventory pile on. Well, I guess
0: the so the interesting thing in those two numbers that, that I saw, pending sales and new sales. So you don't really and and what everybody's talking about is that there's no inventory, right? There's no houses on the market, but you just showed that more houses are coming on the market this month, these months than there were last year. And there, but the reason we're not seeing that is because more sales are happening. Like more people are buying, there's people lining up, right? The demand is higher than the supply still. So so the, I guess the catalyst becomes, when does the demand start dropping? When does the supply start outpacing the demand? And that's where the tipping point starts going in the other direction. Could be interest rates, could be lots of different things. Um, So, and it could be some of the uh, forbearance stuff that we've seen that's piling up, uh, but I've seen things all the way from that. That's, that's why I personally am not sure that this is going to happen really fast. Like I think that we will be able to watch it a lot different than we could before. And there wasn't even like really a huge falling knife. We just wouldn't believe it. And I think people are a little Mm. bit more, um, like this post probably would not have happened. Like people going, I feel, I think this is a little bit feeling a little overheated, right? It wouldn't happen back in 2008. 2007, eight, nine, some, eight, nine, something like that. Um, because people are just like, wow, I'm just going to keep, everybody would go, what are you talking about? What's wrong with you? Just go get more, get more houses, get <laughs> more money. Like there's nothing, no problem here. And I think the fact that they're, we have a pretty short memory, but not that short now because a lot of people are still in the game that got hurt that uh, are still feeling the pain from that that time. So that's why I wonder if it's not going to happen really, really fast. And it, it may be the fact that there's actually people looking at it. And I think the smart folks, like the folks inside this mastermind group they are asking these questions are saying, and some of the answers were, um, here's what we're doing. We're running our numbers based on, um, not, not the current sales, but comps from, uh, from before that, that all this stuff happened. Like when people were kind of freaking out, we're running comps like that. We're missing out on some opportunities, but we're also making huge paydays. Some of the folks were talking about, you know, they're stacking cash away so that, uh, if anything does change, then they have the money uh, available for that. And then um just kind of waiting and seeing, like, uh, I don't, I don't know if the interesting thing is like, you, I was always, even when I invest in the stock market, I was, people always don't time the stock market, don't time the stock market, just invest. Right. And so uh, I think we just have to be careful. Um, look at the numbers and I'll, I'll enjoy the fruits right now and just know that it's not always going to be like this, like really take advantage of it right now and but running them if you run your numbers like like they did right they, they had they were all in on that house one hundred thirty thousand dollars so even if they're 220 number and they they wanted to 220 got 285 so even if they get 200 they're very safe in a property that they only had one hundred thirty thousand into. so i think that's yeah. where where we we lose it sometimes and we can get in trouble is when we push the numbers and become aggressive and just and i'll tell you where it usually comes from and, and i've been there it comes from this idea of like, I have to have a certain number of properties going on at, all, at this time, or I was doing five. I want to be doing 10 all the time now. And you're growing through some really dangerous times like that by mm-hmm. overpaying to compete and outbid other people. So I've heard people say, you know, I, I, some, I bought this property and there's no, there's no profit in it, but I want to keep my guys working. And this is probably not the time to do that. I don't think yeah. we're definitely not. And so I think it's the time to say, well, I'm not going to buy that property. And if I have to um, have a little bit less work for the folks, then so be it and just be safe. So um, that's probably my take on it, I think. Um, and and I, I don't know if I'm as conservative as you are with running numbers from two years ago or a year and a half ago or something like that, but um, because... I, I I don't particularly think, and i'm I may be way off. we can look back on this call in the future. Uh, <laughs> I just don't think it's really gonna like spike down. and I, I don't think we hold these properties too long. Like if I was a new construction builder, then I'd probably be looking at things a little bit differently, looking at longer term holds. But I think we should be in and out of these properties in like three months. And if I have enough margin there, like if I make a little bit more, make an extra twenty thousand dollars, that's great. But if there's a twenty thousand dollar dip on Safe too, um, yep. Because I, I mean, the likelihood of us—I don't know—I don't know what you think a month over month drop would be, if it did happen, and we sort of started seeing some cool off, um, a couple percent a month, I would think it would be like the max. Like even back, I mean, the expensive houses are. I, I saw a house here in Nashville that sold for like three eighty five, then uh, in 20, uh, 2018. then. 490 in the end of 2019 just over 1.1 million
1: holy cow
0: february of 2021 i was like holy crap this thing went up $600,000 in two, two and a half years it, yeah. i mean that was it was insane and there's probably some work that had been done in there but it was shocking to me so um i don't think we're gonna drop 10 percent a month so, no, and
1: I do, I do think you're right, though, like, you will be able to see this coming. And when you only have two weeks worth of inventory on the market, you know, in most markets, most good markets, you're gonna, you're gonna see you're gonna be able to almost see the, the storm winds, you know, way out in the distance, before they get to you. I mean, and remember, like six months of inventory is typically what the National Association of Realtors says is a balanced market. Now that doesn't mean what that means six months of inventory. When I was a realtor, right back in the day, six months of inventory—that didn't mean the houses didn't sell in two weeks. Still, right, the nicest houses always sold fast and always will sell fast. It meant that the—it meant that you could buy deals on the MLS because the ones that had been sitting there six months, that seller was finally motivated to take a much lower price. I think from an investor's perspective, a little bit of a slowdown means we can maybe step off the gas in the marketing a little bit and buy more deals on the MLS. But you're right. I, mean, I don't know. What do you think? I, I think it's going to be another twelve months before I mean, before we're even worried about the storm. Yeah. If there's a storm.
0: Yeah, I, I think it. I think it. A lot will be. It'll be interesting to see what happens when, um, when the government stops printing money and giving it away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I, there's. <laughs> there has been ends of that in sight and then it just keeps going, ticking down further and further and further. So I think that's probably a lot of what's holding some of this stuff up, personally. Um, and so when that starts slowing down and cause like, we're hiring for positions right now and I'm having trouble getting people to even like want. here's my thoughts on that. We have these admin folks that we're trying to hire. We're trying to hire somebody for, um, uh, our membership department. So inside of our Facebook groups and emails and stuff like that and, and taking care of our members. We're trying to hire a videographer, uh, like an assistant videographer. Uh, we're trying to hire a, a COO, which is a totally different story. Um, that that ad will go up soon. We're trying to hire um, a couple of the, the you know, thirty five dollars to $45,000 pay range. And I think those folks just don't want to come off unemployment or like almost like the government is, is incentivizing people not to work right now. So we don't have yeah. great applicants. The applicants that we do have um, are being... They're just not showing up for um, interviews, stuff like that, like blowing us off. It's it's really wild to see what's happening. But when we were in the pandemic, we were hiring, it was like all these people had been laid off, right? And people were just like everywhere. So when I see that change, I see people are, are working or choosing not to work because of some of this stuff. And a lot of it is the fact that they're actually incentivized not to work right now with unemployment benefits and things like that. And so we're not seeing... great opportunity internally to uh, to allow us to bring in great people and a lot of that is the the subsidizing that's happening i so that's that that flows through to the to the mortgages to the to rental stuff like we can't kick some of the people out of some of our rental like our apartment buildings and things and so once that starts slowing down and stopping i think we start realizing what's actually happening and the actual pain that some of the people are in and then i still remember bruce norris when him and i did that podcast together he said uh he was like, the the, the sales, that like the uh, distress sales are gonna drive a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they typically drive a market drop and decrease. So that was interesting to me, like the foreclosures and things like that. That's why I'd always been watching that a little bit closer than the data you just pulled up. But I mean, the low inventory, high demand, as long as that continues, I think we watch the inventory. I think we watch some of the distress sales. I think we watch what's happening with people like the people just don't seem to be really affected. The majority of people, there are definitely pockets of people that seem to be affected pretty heavily, but I don't know. It's it's interesting. 12 months sounds about right. I think by the time we do Flip in Live in October, uh, I thought last year, I thought last year in October, we were going to have a better idea, like have this uncertainty yeah. and fog, like this cloud that we were in. And the, the certainty has happened. We are certain that we're making a lot more money over the last year. But we're definitely just kind of like, I don't know, the clock's ticking down to some point. So, um, well, and- say, if you think it'll be like twelve months, I, I say that's prob- probably right. I think the, I think this winter season, like the same data that you just showed, right? That winter, like the summer months, the summer selling season, and then what happens in the winter would be really hmm. good in comparison to what you have. Um, and if you can look at that data month over month, like they have February in there, they obviously are updating that every month, or so which yeah. is amazing. So I, I'd say most people should be watching that
1: you know, we had a call this morning, and we were we we're just talking through like, how long can people live in their house for free, right? And I mean, if you file for forbearance, 12, 18 months, and then if it and then you're for, and if people are going to go through the foreclosure process, which I don't believe they will, I, I, I think we won't see all the foreclosures, I think you're right, we will see distressed sales, but they're going to be distressed sales, like I'm breaking open the piggy bank. Because remember back in 2009, when it all went down, the values crashed and people were left underwater. Certainly people have been in their houses 10 or more years. They're, they've they got a piggy bank of, of equity, hopefully, right? And they're gonna wanna, if they wanna survive or they wanna move and they wanna rent or whatever, that instead of going into foreclosure, they're gonna break that piggy bank. They're calling a realtor, they're calling somebody, an investor. And I feel like that's when our opportunities come when the folks that can't work out a forbearance plan and my gosh, the government is allowing them to work out forbearance plans. I mean, refinance at a much lower rate, um, all kinds of cool stuff that the government's trying to do to keep people in their houses, but the people that cannot stay and can't pay, then those people will have to sell. And just don't know how many of those people there are gonna be.
0: Well, right now they
1: get to live for free.
0: Well, I was gonna say, those should be the people that if they can find a cheaper house or a place that they can move that's cheaper. So you actually have to leave probably the reason those people aren't throwing their house in the market to take all the equity they could have potentially have right now which is significantly more than they might have in a few years right mm-hmm. is they have to move somewhere else at cheaper cost of living to buy a house now in, in the same market so talking to people in my neighborhood right now we just had a family move in two doors down uh, had a family move in next door people are putting their house on the market and it's it's interesting when talking to them they're just like look I, we're gonna live here for a long time we didn't really care um about paying a little bit more because we're going to live here for 20 20 30 more years you know that's the goal and the plan and but the people that are thinking about selling i talked to them and they were like well you know we we can we could sell our house and make a lot of money but we can't buy another one i was like well the only way that you can do that is you have to go to a cheaper cost of living i know people that live mm-hmm. in california that are moving to nashville and they sell a 1.5 million dollar house and we move into a 600 thousand dollar and it, it, with more land bigger bigger property all that stuff and they love it and no no state tax so it makes sense but when you move from an area you have to kind of go to a less i don't know if it's less desirable but it's just a cheaper area so right. mostly people probably don't want to leave their school systems their kids like the, the community that they're in all that stuff or else they they'd list their houses today right so i'd say
1: what i think there's an unexplored opportunity for investors is probate i mean the probate courts have been shut down or they're working virtually. And depending, you know, we're in the Southeast, so we've had a little bit more freedom than those, our friends up in the Midwest and the Northeast. But um, you think about, you think about all the people, that not COVID deaths. I mean, they're in there, but all the people that have died in the past year, I mean, those estates, many of them have yet to be settled out and houses put on the markets because the probate courts, all the courts have really been shut down. I mean, I'm involved in a lawsuit um, and it's like guys like yeah you're not gonna have to show up until 2022 i mean that was six months ago and so I, that's a whole other opportunity that i see for us is trying to figure out this you know where this hidden inventory is that really nobody knows about
0: yeah it's probably eviction courts and stuff like that too yeah because that's kind of what we're targeting the apartment stuff is who's who's getting who who just who isn't running their their community well and and hasn't hasn't had people paying for a long time and needs
1: to yeah stuff
0: like that the poor leases for, for I'm I'm in I'm battling a uh, a flood and an insurance case right now homeowners insurance and flood insurance down in that hurricane down in Pensacola on the house that that I I told you about where I had I got sued and bought it back so that thing I was a week away from closing on that thing and uh, hurricane hit it and us uh, been that's been crazy so. All right, man, I got go to go do a call right now. But hey, um, uh, we, I think when we hit October at Flip Hacking Live, this is probably a really good topic to dive into, depending on where we are. So um, keep studying this stuff. and, and I'm probably going to tap you to talk about this at the event. Yeah,
1: dude, I think people are going to need Flip Hacking Live more than ever. I mean, uh, I mean, think October, four months, five months, six months away, whatever it is, I guess six months, and the market could be completely different than it is right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, we just had a meeting about it and we were going to, we were actually going to increase the price of tickets this week, but I was like, don't, don't, don't do that. We're no, nobody's thinking six months out in advance right now. Let's wait a little while to to change the ticket pricing until people aren't even figuring out their summer. Um, And we want to go back in person and want to do all this stuff. Like it's a perfect time to, I think, I think this year is going to be, and we're back in person. Um, Hopefully we have a good Understand? Like we're learning so much right now through the summer. We'll get that data, and I don't know. I'll have you. I'll have you talk about this stuff. I think. So last year talked about hiring. This year you can talk about your uh, yeah. <laughs> your bold market predictions. So, <laughs> yeah, bold. <laughs> All right, man. I gotta go. All uh, right, buddy. Have a good one. i Love you. Thanks for uh, talking. You. Me, See you in a couple right, weeks. So so we just keep buying. Use old numbers, um, and watch that data that you sent
1: me. So yeah, and wholesale. I mean, if you get a deal that looks like do not. If you can take a deal down, you should put it on the MLS. We had a guy, last story real quick. We thought we killed it on this house. And uh, we bought it for 18, sold it for 40. The guy cleaned it out, got rid of the tenant, put it on the MLS and sold it for 80. That was our meeting this morning. I was so mad. Was, that happened to me when I just got to Nashville.
0: We we bought, we we wholesaled a deal. We bought it. Oh, no, no. We wholesaled it. So we wholesaled it. We assigned it to somebody. We made like $45,000. We were like jumping for joy. The dude doesn't even clean it out. Does nothing. Puts it on the MLS, and and makes like another sixty. And I was I was like, we have money. We could have just bought this thing. <laughs> yes. the market well enough, you know. And that, that was a huge lesson learned in kicking the pants to to yeah. figure out the market and be a lot smarter. Our pain
1: point was the tenant. We didn't want to have to get rid of the tenant. And I'm like, okay, for forty thousand dollars, we would have gone through the process. He probably just paid her to leave. Yep. Probably paid so. her a like
0: thousand or something. So yeah, yeah. that's just. Yeah, anyway. lesson learned, lesson learned, man. I, that's a, we, we, we're doing a little bit less deals right now and just being a lot smarter. And so mm-hmm. we might just start having to take them down and, and put them up on the MLS so if they can get loans and stuff for them uh, in yeah. the short term. So, yeah, good advice. All right, man. Go cool, buddy. You. Have a good one. See you. See you in a couple of weeks in Cancun. Looking forward to it. Yeah. What 10 days, man. There 10 yeah. Days. I'm right. stoked. See ya. See ya. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.